Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. It'll be better. I believe you. Yeah, I'm just doing as I'm told. Um, <laughs> which some people might find hard to believe, but I do it. So uh, if we do want to especially say welcome if you're new amongst us or you're exploring who this Jesus is or even exploring church, uh, revisiting what church looks like, what the community of faith looks like, or perhaps for the first time, uh, we do say welcome. We'd love you to have your Bibles open. Um, and uh, Mark chapter 5 we're going to be exploring today. Uh, so, an incredible text. I think it's one that I wrestle with every time I get to it. Um, and I think it means something different every time I read it. Uh, but I hope that you uh, enjoy and uh, are stirred. I really hope the Spirit brings some conviction and some revelation to us today, uh, some encouragement today. That's my prayer as I have prepared for this week. I think it's a, a challenging word, a challenging scripture for many of us. Uh, but I believe it'll bring new life too. Um, so you can also look up on the Version Bible app and that will, you'll be able to follow along. So Father, we want to honour you, we celebrate you, we recognise the freedom that we have to open your word, but uh, we also recognise the freedom that we have to leave it on the shelf and gather dust. We also recognise the freedom that we have to open it up and never let it change us. Um, so, but we pray today, Father, this word would transform us because we know you more deeply, because we encounter your love more deeply, because we experience your healing more richly. Uh, Holy Spirit, minister deeply and uh, faithfully and powerfully into us as your people today. Let us not leave this place the same as when we walked in. Let us leave with, uh, we want to leave today with new perspective, different perspective, lighter perspective. We want to walk with a freedom in our step and a joy in our spirit, regardless of the circumstances that we might have to face this afternoon or tomorrow, Father, in the days ahead. We want to press deeper into you because of your revelation through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay. So uh, this week has raised some questions about the nature of authority, particularly probably even the last 18 months as we consider the expression of authority in our government. The government had uh, deemed uh, probably seven to ten days ago that nobody, nobody would be able to enter Australia from India. And they were going to review that, I think it was May 15th, May 18th, around those dates. It's amazing the power of sport and the influence of sport. Because I wonder, my now like this might be a bit cynical and I appreciate that, but I wonder if our Australian cricketers weren't over in India playing international Indian Premier League, would the government have been forced to change the rules so quickly? But the authority of Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister at the time, was quoted as saying that anyone who enters into Australia from India would either receive a substantial fine or be placed in prison. That's a pretty big kind of authoritative statement, isn't it? Well, that's someone who was directly given instruction, claimed their authority, which he's within his right to do as the Prime Minister of our nation, obviously with the experts and the council around him. That's the statement that he made. There was a fair bit of pressure applied to that, incidentally, wasn't there? A fair bit of pressure applied to that. 
So we saw, I think it was yesterday, I saw in the news uh, that he's changed uh, the rules. He's changed, he's, given the authority that he has, he's changed the response. He's uh, lessened that response. He's given permission for Australian cricketers as well as Australians of all walks of life <laughs> to enter back into the country. The nature of authority uh, is an interesting question. And it's seen the reach of authority has been questioned even between the state and federal governments over the last 18 months as we have gone through this pandemic crisis. Yeah, um, We've seen that. One, they were all working together and then they weren't. Uh, we were all working together and then every state had its own laws and it created some confusion and some upheaval, some disappointment and some frustration. The nature of authority is a huge issue for us as a nation and how that is looked upon and reflected upon. Now, but this is also one of the most significant challenges that we face uh, personally. It's a significant challenge and question that we face in our families, a significant question and challenge that we face in our community, and that is the nature of authority. Who has what authority and how much authority do they or that have? And how does that expressed to the life or to the betterment or to the uh, increase or to the improvement of us in our homes, in our churches, in our communities? See, what we allow into our homes, into our businesses, in our community, determine our response to everything else. Now, I thought about this, and maybe we don't, we're not that comfortable talking about authority as middle class, most of us, many uh, you know, Aussies kind of, you know, in, we don't like the nature of authority. I actually have become increasingly convinced over the last couple of years that the Australian na nation, particularly many churches, have in us a convict spirit where we feel that no authority will tell us what to do and we will react and respond to everything out of a spirit of anger, out of a spirit of proving someone wrong or out of a spirit of just a sense of you can't tell me what to do. I'll leave that to sit with you for a bit longer. I've thought on that for a bit. So, you know, that might be a bit of a shocking statement for you. Um, but if you're not sure who or what has authority in your life, examine and spend your time examining where most of your thinking, where most of your time and where most of your attention is given on any given day throughout any given week. And then consider the response that you would have if that was taken away from you. Consider the energy that we give to things. Consider the energy that we give... This is deep stuff, isn't it? Um, consider the energy that we give to certain aspects of our lives. Consider the energy that we might give to repaying our mortgages, increasing our incomes. Consider the energy that we might give to technology. Consider the energy we might give to position or status. Consider what has authority in our lives, what has the most time and energy and what would happen if that was taken away from us? And then let's take that a bit deeper and a bit richer. The greater authority we need to come to terms with is who has the spiritual authority in our lives because everything flows from this. 
So we want to unpack this Mark chapter 5 story today. It's actually the longest exorcism story uh, in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark. It's also told in Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 8. And some incredible uh, differences and beautiful differences. Enough to say that each Gospel tells a story a little bit differently to highlight a particular aspect, a particular point of what the Gospel writers and these events that unfold. And you can go home and look at those yourself and enjoy um, those reflections. Uh, and I'm going to offer some reflections throughout the story with the invitation for us to respond today. So I'm going to give you a heads up. I want to invite you to respond. I want to invite you to have an open heart, open spirit, open mind to what God might want to challenge and convict you in and the response that you might make in this. What we do know, as we've said over the last few weeks, is that Mark keeps the story moving. There's often quick transitions between healing, teaching, forgiveness, miracles, and then proclamation. It's high fire, um, fast fire uh, statements and questions and events and uh, conversations. And he makes the point here, as Linda highlighted last week in, in her message as she unpacked it, we saw the story move pretty quickly in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the, over to the other side. Which is an interesting dynamic. When they get in the middle of the storm, they kind of forget that Jesus is taking them somewhere, yeah? And that's how often we and Linda unpacked that last week. We often get stuck. We often miss the command and forget that God, Jesus, God has us moving to somewhere, to another destination. We get in the middle of the circumstance. We go, oh, where are you, God? And we forget the command and the instruction, the authority that Jesus has claimed over our lives. Now, this transition happens really quickly. And I want to highlight the importance. When you see these repeat statements, pay attention here when you're reading the Bibles, when you're reading Scripture. When you all go home and read Scripture for yourself, pay attention to these repeated statements because they mean something. Let us go over to the other side. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. Some transcripts might say something different or a different region, but it's essentially um, what we... what. Mark is highlighting is that Jesus is now moving away from the usual crowd, the crowd of the temple, um, the crowd of Galilee, and the other side is, if you like, the dark side. It's the Gentile side, it's the Greek side, it's the non holy side, it's the other side of the city, it's the other side of the railway tracks. Ooh. All right, so Jesus has moved from this side, the holy side, into another space. What we're picking up, what Mark is trying to introduce you to here, is in fact his mission is expanding. Okay? His mission begins to expand. He's just dropping something here for us. This is generally recognized as the Decapolis, the collection of 10 cities on the other side. Holy people don't go to the other side. So then we receive another indication of how quickly the story moves. We go on. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with the impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with 
stones. All right, as soon as he got out of the boat, we're told. All right, transition, let's go to the other side. They reached the other side of the lake as soon as. Boom, 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 boom. Are you, are you catching this yet? You almost have to catch your breath. You, are, you need a fitness regime when you're ready, Mark. Because he takes your breath away with the movement that happens so quickly. And as what we're recognising here is the disorder, the chaos um, and the isolation and even death that this man is existing in. He exists amongst the tombs. He lives amongst death. He lives with death encircling him, encroaching him from inside and out. In torment, in chaos, in disorder. Now what, and I just, just a slight diversion here, is what we don't know is what happened in his life. What I've known about myself is that I can see people and their lives and I think, what happened there? Why did they get to that place? What if they only, and if they only didn't, or if they only did, and if, and if they did this, and if this, that ne- we never find that out about this man. And je- interestingly, Jesus never asks him what he did to get in this position. He just offers him life. Offers him a new way of thinking about it. In the, and the other, sad, the other reality about this is the real sadness about this that I think about this is the community just kind of got used to living with him. They just accept it. Here's this guy. Now maybe, maybe, you know, we'll find out, maybe their pigs took up all their time. Maybe that was the main trade and that took up all the time and they got to a place and they just got used to the noise that used to happen in the tombs at night. Poor kids would wake up, people would come and visit, they'd hear this guy screaming his head off. I'm playing with the story a little bit here. And they'd go, what is that? Over an evening cup of tea. And the people who were used to hearing this noise would simply go, oh, that's, I don't know what name to call him because I don't want to, oh, mate. I don't want to put it on anyone who's in the room or watching online. Yeah, that's, that's old mate, he's been doing that for years. We tried. Honestly, we tried. I mean, we tied the guy up. That's the first thing you think of doing. <laughs> uh, we don't like the way that you're living, brother. We'd just tie you up. Put you in the tombs. Oh, righto. Keep drinking your evening drink whatever that might be. Imagine going to sleep knowing that there's some guy screaming in the tombs. And yet this is the community. And I was really confronted with this. How many people are screaming in our community? And we've got so used to hearing it, we ignore it. And no longer call any life out of it or into it. And this, this is the thing, I think, too, because in the church, we'll have people screaming and then when we call life into us, we're when we call life into it and actually proclaim Jesus into it, we'll go, hey, that's not fair, don't do that to me. That's the convict spirit. Anyway, I'll keep coming back to that. Um, whew, I'm worn out already. Um, 
I think it's sad that the community comes to accept this reality. So keep moving. In verse 6, are you keeping up okay? Are you with me? Okay, that's good. Uh, Jared warmed you up well. Uh, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. That's a joke. Do you, are you getting the joke? No. Unclean spirits, disorder, chaos, torture, death, come to Jesus, the Son of the living God, knowing that he has the power and the authority to cast them into the abyss. And knowing there will be a time when he will finally be able to do that, and they have the audacity to say to the Son of the living God, the one who has authority over forgiveness, the wind and the waves, unclean spirits, and they've got the audacity to ask not to be tortured. It's a joke. Okay, maybe you'll laugh about it later. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Now one quick highlight here. It's, it's weird to me that Mark actually puts come out of this man, like it's almost an afterthought. Oh, why did the evil spirit, why did this man rush out of the tombs to see Jesus? And Mark has kind of gone, oh, hang on, I need to let people know why this is happening. And Jesus has called out in some way, come out of this man. And then the evil spirits have actually declared who Jesus is. This is a trick for them because they're trying to claim their authority on earth. Because naming something, naming someone, claims authority over someone. Yeah? Okay, when you. Uh, okay, so, and then it goes on. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? Now, I think this is the only time this happens in the Gospels. If you find it other spots, that's cool, well done, you found it. Um, but I, I reckon this is really interesting. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Uh, and he, be, he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. So there's something here happening where the unclean spirits recognize the power that they have is very limited. Okay? And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were drowned. Um, my name, see, and we see the shift. All the English teachers are freaking out here. My name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. Well, you can't confuse that, can you? You're not allowed to put the singular and the plural in the same sentence. So we get an idea of the sort of chaos. Now, some authors actually say this is actually a dig at the Roman occupation. This actually becomes the story of the Roman occupation. Legion. Legion is about 6,000 soldiers. So this man in some way has, in excess, given himself over to 6,000 different spirits. Wrap your head around that. And some would argue the name Legion actually says, well, there will be a time when the Roman occupation will be finished and over and not even the Roman occupation has authority over Jesus. 
Jesus actually claims authority again because he asks for the name. He, he reestablishes the authority. Um, and this is, as I said, the only place where the Spirit is named. Uh, the one seen is only a representation of the many unseen. What is presented is only a representation of the many who are not seen or fully revealed. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this story, oops, and I feel sorry for the pig owners. Every time you read this story, do you go, those poor people looking after those pigs. Now, I know there's a few people here know a little bit about pigs and have looked after pigs. I'm not going to offer any insight into that whatsoever because I don't think it really matters to the way the nature of pigs. I actually did a bit of research. The diversity of understanding and expressions on why this happened. But here's, and this is what I got to, and this is the beauty about Gospels. You can read the story, and then you'll be able to read the story next year, and something else will pop in your spirit. Will it be wrong or right, or will it just be a new revelation of the Holy Spirit for you? It's a beautiful gift, if we read our scriptures. So I don't imagine that 2,000 pigs would be very cheap. I don't know how you write 2,000 pigs off as a business write-off. How do you claim insurance on 2,000 pigs? What happened to your pigs? Oh, they just jumped off the cliff. Like, that's some kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah? Now, and the other thing about this is we read other stories here and Jesus simply says to the unclean spirits, come out of him, and it's done. What is happening here? Have you ever asked that question in this text? No, only six of us, all right. Um, now, a couple of things. That, this is my understanding. Again, you might see a different revelation, a different understanding. I'm not saying this is all of it, but this is where I came to this week as I really wrestled with it and sought. Firstly, um, my understanding is that the water holds significant imagery for um, the people in this area and the readers and the Jewish people, the water is like the imagery of the abyss. When you read the Psalms and the uh, Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the First Testament, however you frame it or phrase it, when you read that, when they're talking about going down into the depths, they're talking about um, the water, essentially. And then that, when you place that even over top of the, the text and the message that we heard last week of the storm coming up unexpectedly and the heightening of the disciples' fear, what are they afraid of? They're afraid of the abyss. Right? I hope things are popping in someone's heads because this is just... I mean, we could do this for hours. Um, this is really cool stuff. So... And I imagine, what I, which is a bit maybe cheeky, I don't, I don't know, but I kind of imagine Jesus, as he sends, gives permission, he almost, it sounds like Jesus is kind of giving in to the evil spirits, yeah? But I don't think he's doing that, because what I think he does, as he releases the evil spirits, I think I had this image of Jesus kind of looking at his disciples and going, like he had this kind of grin on his face, because these unclean spirits still thought they had control. Right? I'm trying to step it out because I'm a little bit excited. I think this is, this is brilliant. I think this is actually a bit of a laugh for, the, for Peter as he writes the Gospel of Mark. Like he, he would have been sitting around with his mates and going, do you remember when we saw this? 
That was insane. That was crazy. That was just out of this world. And I remember, I, I imagine Jesus kind of grinning at his followers, those closest to him, and just going, ha, ah, see? Even nature recognises the true purpose of unclean spirits is death and destruction. Even nature. Remember, who has authority over nature? Jesus, yeah? We know that much, don't we? Even nature understands that they, it cannot contain death and destruction in the way that humanity often tries to. While humanity tries to subdue, control, suppress, even nature understands that this is death and destruction. Now, it's a horrible image in lots of ways, and we feel sad for the pig owners, and they're horrified, and yet it reveals the true purpose of nature. I mean, there was all sorts of articles about pigs committing suicide and the horror of that, the 2,000 pigs. Jesus has more concern for one man than 2,000 pigs. You can do your own research, but I just think Jesus is actually revealing here that even nature understands who has the final authority. And any unclean spirits outside of their natural purpose is actually death and destruction. So while the community had accepted a guy living in the tombs, in death, nature couldn't tolerate it. So Jesus demonstrates the reach and the power of his authority here. The authority of Jesus through the Gospel of Mark that we've already seen, including the Easter story, he has the authority to forgive sins, he has the authority to heal the sick. He has the authority to command creation, to command spirits, and from death to life. That's the authority of the Jesus I follow. That's the power. That's the revelation. That's the one I want to submit my life to. Now, I'm... That story about the pigs that I've, and might not be complete or perfect, and you can do your own reading, but I think it's an incredible image. And I think we miss how confronting this is for us today and for the gathered community. So hold your breath here. Or maybe don't, but get ready for the next part. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. When, like, what's wrong with us? So afraid, in fact, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plea with Jesus to leave their region. So it was kind of all right until they heard about the pigs. As Jesus was getting into the boat, where's he going? Back to the other side. The man who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people, <laughs> which would have been astonishing because he had no people for so long. Maybe lost his job, support systems, all those things. 
and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, not just in his home, but in the cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. We can be so concerned with what we are missing out on that we lose sight of what we were gaining Jesus. Let me say this again. We can be so concerned about losing our pigs that we miss out on what Jesus promises. Now, I don't know what your pigs are. Well, let me go back to the initial question. Who or what has authority in your life? And we can be so concerned with what we feel might be taken away from us that we lose sight of what Jesus promises. And so many people ask him to leave, even people who sit in the church. It's one of the great sadnesses of ministry to watch people do that too often. It's to watch people come and say how great a message that was, how inspiring, how wonderful a service and have nothing change because we are so afraid of losing what has authority over us. So the spirits recognise Jesus and they create chaos. The crowds fear and reject Jesus without recognising. The healed man is willing to follow Jesus without fully recognising him. And what is even more interesting in this, oops, I forgot to do that. What is even more interesting in this is the disciples, the one that Jesus has gathered, the ones that he's gathered to train them and encourage them and inspire to go into all the world, are sitting on the sidelines being asked to do absolutely nothing. And they watched Jesus heal a man and then watched as Jesus said to that man, now go and tell everyone what's happened to you. You know, I reckon that sparked something in them? I reckon it would have. Now what I love about this is that Jesus doesn't condemn the crowd, which I think is a lesson for us faithfully following Jesus. It's okay if people don't receive Jesus. I mean, it's not and it's sad and I'm sure Jesus left the region for the sand, but he didn't walk away beating them or browbeating them or telling them how much of a failure they were or how they're going to go to hell. He just went about his business. And he released the man to go and tell his family. He doesn't simply give the facts to his family. He proclaims to the ten cities what has happened to him. Now, let's be under no illusion here. Let's be under no illusion here. The spiritual battle of this man and the community is no less today. You know what the problem is? It's much quieter today. Paul writes to the Ephesian church, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That battle is no less today. Paul writes to the Roman church, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, as I said, I think our spiritual battle is much quieter, much more invasive, more subtle. 
and even more destructive. Let me, let me give you a few names of spirits. There's, I felt like I needed to... Apathy, that sense of, oh, it doesn't really matter. Busyness. Self-importance, pride, disappointment, fear, blame, comparison, the convict spirit, loneliness, rejection... And all of these are pervasive in the life of the church. And then we wonder why the world doesn't pay any attention to us anymore. And that might be harsh. And I don't... (sighs) Look, some of us have proclaimed Jesus and we keep living in the tombs. Some of us have proclaimed Jesus and keep saying why our lives aren't any different. What's that spirit? Where's that come from? Some of us have proclaimed Jesus and then we just stay angry our whole life. What's that spirit? This is a spiritual battle against the principalities and authorities of the heavenly realms. It's a battle that Jesus has won and we reclaim that Jesus has won for those of us who have been around the church for any length of time. Those of us who profess Jesus. But I wonder if our story is such that we leave our buildings, that we pick up our scriptures, we put our scriptures down, then we go about in our community and we're able to say clearly what Jesus has done for us. And if we're not sure, maybe we should spend some time in the next week. Jesus, can you reveal to me again what you've done for me in my life? That might be a good place. See, it's one thing to tick the boxes of Christianity. It's another to recognise, follow and proclaim Jesus. And all of this, again, is the invitation to respond to the authority of Jesus. Who or what has the authority in your life? Who or what has the authority in my life? Who is it that I give most attention to? As I said, there are people, and this week I I wanted to say it clearly, I believe there are people who proclaim freedom in one breath but continue living in the tombs in the next. Maybe you're a part of the crowd, uh, just stay a part of the crowd and hopefully go unnoticed, but you're so afraid of what you might lose if you genuinely begin to trust in and follow Jesus instead of fully submitting to him. Maybe, um, Maybe simply you've grown to accept the pain in your life and that's just the reality. And maybe actually you're just trying to control, subdue or even just ignoring the lies of the enemy. Maybe today is a day that you submit to the authority of Jesus again or for the first time. As our team come up and declare with us that Christ is enough, we want to be able to make that statement with you. Today is the day that you again remind, are reminded that Jesus needs to be the authority in your life to experience the freedom and the life that you so long for. That maybe once you remember, maybe the once you had and somewhere along the line it's just got caught up, tied up, lost in the tomb somewhere, lost in the gravestones of all the things you think you once had. Maybe today could be the day again that, or for the first time, you begin declaring your old life is gone 
and a new one is here in Jesus. And we want to invite you, as we always do, you can come to the front and talk to myself uh, or I can ask someone else to come and be with you and pray with you. You can go and speak to anyone on the ministry team or our elders. You can speak to someone that you know and have trusted and have watched in faithfulness. Or maybe it's about you going, you know what, I've carried this in my heart and my spirit towards another person just across the aisle and I need to actually do something with that. I need to go and speak to them as a follower of Jesus, a brother or sister in Jesus and say, I can't carry this anymore. There's a spirit here that is no longer going to have any power over my life and over our relationship. What would be the step that you need to take? What is it that we need to do today to declare that Jesus is the authority over my life? Father, we want to uh, honour you. We want to celebrate you. We want to thank you that you are, you are the authority, the one who can forgive sins, the one who has authority over the wind and the waves and all of nature. You are the one who uh, sets people free, you command spirits, and you uh, bring life out of death. And we honour you, we celebrate you, and we thank you. Holy Spirit, minister into our hearts and our minds today, even as we wrestle and unpack and perhaps they're confronted or feeling a bit slapped. We, may you minister healing and grace and peace and new life. God, I don't want to be a person who just looks at what I lose and what I once had. I want to be a person who declares what you have done. May we walk in the freedom today that you declare. May we acknowledge you, declare you as Lord of our lives so that we might walk in freedom. Friends, as we declare today, we will invite you to stand as we declare that Christ is enough. Maybe you can't declare it. I want to invite you to try and sing it out anyway. Or maybe you need to step out of where you are and ask for prayer and make that declaration of faith. I want to trust Jesus again. I want to trust Jesus for the first time. Let's walk together discovering what that looks like.